HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Kari Pedriana, co-founder and CEO of Greenspoon, the national natural food and beverage sales broker specializing in mission-based emerging CPG brands. Greenspoon was built on Kari's goal to transform the retail landscape by infusing it with authenticity, integrity, and transparency. Greenspoon represents some of today's most recognizable brands, including Primal Kitchen, Lesser Evil, Kettle and Fire, Quinn Snacks, Smart Sweets, Chomps, and Midday Squares. And us. And us. <laughs> I didn't have that written in the intro, but it's there. Hi, Kari. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I think that the broker thing is like <laughs> one of the most confusing pieces of this puzzle. And yeah. as a founder who kind of, I have kind of open DMs all the time with, you know, earlier stage brands, like it is possibly the thing I get the most calls about when, how do we need one, <laughs> how to hire for sales, how to, it's all just very confusing. So you're going to solve everything for everybody. I'm going to solve all of it today. Which is amazing. Thank you. And yeah. then this will be, you know, my final episode because everything will be resolved. <laughs> and okay. everyone will just go on to make billions of dollars. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're going to go back to 2010 okay. in Boulder. Um, because one of the things that I loved about researching when I was getting ready for this episode was that it almost felt like an emerging CPG brand itself. Exactly. 
Like it really has the story of you and your husband, you wanted to do something different. You grew the way that we talk about growing, you know, first really putting down roots, then growing regionally, then going into different channels. Like it's almost like it's like its own mini, you know, soda or chip company, Um, except you're the engine behind all of these, you know, soda and chip companies. So tell me what you were doing. I know that your husband and you were both like very deeply entrenched um, in the grocery world. What felt misaligned and what was your vision? Yeah. My husband came from the food space since he was like 15 years old. And so he got to see a lot of different aspects of the channel. So he was in retail at Wild Oats and Whole Foods. He worked for another national brokerage. He worked on the brand side. Mm. Um, I come from the marketing, marketing, merchandising side of the business. Um, And together, we just felt that the brands in Boulder, you know, Boulder has a really strong community in the space. And these are our friends, right? So like, we just didn't feel like they were getting service the way that we could. Um, we, as a family, you know, I raised my kids in the mountains of Nederland, Colorado, above Boulder. We, when we moved there, we lived in a cabin with no running water. Like <laughs> we were very earthy. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a really important thing for, my, for me as a mom to make sure my kids were always eating healthy and clean. Um, and I was very passionate about it. Um, and so... I think that passion I had just as a mom and what I was giving my family kind of related to what was going on in the food space and the grocery side. Um, and I just really wanted to put care into these founders and what they were doing because it was really important to everybody, I thought, at that point, you know? And yeah. so and so my husband and I, like I was I was working, like, you know, he was working in grocery. Um, people were coming to him and saying, like, hey, do you know anyone that would do demos or merchandising in store that would be really good? And he's like, my wife, my wife is so <laughs> sales and entrepreneurial and high spirited. And, and so I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. And so I did it on the weekends um, to get out of the house because I had two little ones and just needed some me time. Right. So, um, and I just love being in grocery stores. So I went, I went into Whole Foods with, you know, crates and chalkboards and the whole thing and like this whole scene and Whole Foods was really into what I was doing and I was selling product and they were very happy with by that. Um, and they were like, hey, Kari, we want to send, you know, all, all of our brands your way that we're launching or a lot of them. Um, and I was like, OK. And I ended up starting to do 80 demos a month alone. I was running from one store to the next store to the next store. Um, and so um, because I just I, and I, I loved it. I loved what I was doing. I was love spreading the word about the natural and organic movement. Um, and, you know, I really cared about my clients. Um, and then. And then that started to go, that started to come like, hey, Kari, can you also do some merchandising? Can you do this? Can you do that? Because we're not getting that from our sales agency or whatever. And I was like, there's something just missing here, right? Um, And so my husband and I put our heads together and we said, you know, what if we broke the mold of what a broker is now? Because to me, being this, you know, girl in Colorado in the mountains, right? My thought of what a broker was were these big organizations run by dudes in suits, like, and they couldn't really relate to the emerging brand and what was going in the space. The culture didn't align to me. That was what I was seeing in my head, right? So we went to Whole Foods and knocked on the door and, and they were so gracious with their time and they helped us kind of think through what that would look like. Um, and they spent a lot of time with us, which is amazing because yeah. everyone's so busy. 
Um, and I am like, like internally indebted to them for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, they saw it too. Like they saw, you know, other agencies coming in that didn't really, you know, maybe align with what they're doing as a, a co- company and they're bringing all these products and they didn't have the time to go through them really, you know, cause they had right. so many things going on. So, um, we kind of sat down with them and came up with the model of Greenspoon and, you know, Whole Foods put us in touch with some folks that were looking for such support and kind of the rest is history. Like we hustled really hard the first few years to just get our name out there and um, help some brands like in the early days, like really early days, it was Primal Kitchen. Um, You know, Whole Foods had mentioned they saw it on Instagram. I went and and found them. We like got together and we kind of got it going in the Rocky Mountain region. Um, and the rest is history there, amazing partner. Um, and so it just started kind of being this buzzy thing in, in, in Boulder. Um, and then we were approached by Boulder food group before they started their fund, Mm -hmm. um, be like, you guys are doing something really interesting here and we would love to see it grow into more markets because there's a need for it. And we aligned on that. And that's just, you know, 11 years later now, same ethos, same spirit. We are like, I love what I do every day. And I love my team and I love, and they love what they do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now, you know, we're kind of nearing uh, 175 to 200 people and wow. um, really proud of what we've been able to do in this yeah. space for brands. It, it's amazing. Um, I want to go back to something you were saying, because yeah. I think this is where emerging brands get confused. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, you don't listen to this because you don't have time, but like, For people who listen to this often, I always talk about like, whether you want to call us a cigarette boat or a kayak or like a surfboard, Yeah, that's the emerging brand. And then the grocery ecosystem is like the tanker ship. And the connecting between those two things is where we get confused. Okay. Because they don't know really how to play with us. Some of them do it obviously better. Natural Channel does it significantly better. Regional grocery does it better. But so like what, you know, merchandising and, you know, is one piece of it. Sampling is another piece of it. Mm -hmm. Paperwork is another piece of it. Presenting and knowing how to present to a buyer is part of it. What did you, when you sat down and were like, here are the, here's the, the emerging brands on the left, the the grocery stores on the right. Here's all the stuff in between. Wh- what were you gonna take on? You know, like were you because cause you you can't be doing demos for every brand no. that you take on, right? And so some <laughs> of it had to shift, and some of it had to come on. Yeah. So what do you remember? What that original sort of like. Yeah, te- I mean, like menu of what you do was essentially, and has it stayed the same? It definitely hasn't stayed the same. Um, right. When I, yeah, I, I, I applaud demos. I appreciate demos, but it's a lot. It's a mm-hmm. and and we started as we kind of started building the sales aspect of it more. We phased out of the demo side of it. Um, right. So, you know, with my husband's experience and my experience. Um, it was the sales side, obviously. It was like preparing the brand ready for uh, you know meetings with retailers, but all the paperwork behind it, all the promotional submissions behind it, mm-hmm. making sure it's correct. Like retailers don't like to get incorrect paperwork and you know promotion work, so making sure all that stuff is uh, done right and submitted correctly. 
Um, but then also the feel level, like, and that is something that's unique in the natural space and to certain broker partners. Like to me, it is so important that when you're an emerging brand that you're in there and you're in the field and you're building those relationships because the, at stores where things happen, right? Um, and so that's not in every broker model that's in certain models. And that's definitely in ours because that's something I really am true and dear to. Um, so we had that too. So, you know, in the early days we were doing that and we still do that today, the same level of commitment to that as then. So that stayed the, that stayed the same. But as we grew, it became more, right? It became, okay, now we need a distributor team and we need trade spend support and we need promotions and we need strategy and all these other things. Data. Um, data oh yeah, just mm -hmm. going to say data and analytics and all of that stuff. So we've had to build up all of those departments to support brands. And that's like my goal. Like, again, I'm a leader that comes into the space with my heart. Like right. I love this industry and mm -hmm. And whatever I can do to make a mark and help others is really what I want to do. And obviously sustain a business because I think some people forget that brokers <laughs> are a business. Like, right. like we're not like, you know, doing this for free. We, we have expenses, really high expenses. We have people and travel and all these things. So it's finding that nice balance where you can do all that. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of for me, that's what's changed is we've had to bring in different things to support brands at different stages now. I mean, this is so awesome to just get the background. And it's also, you know, because there are all of these different pieces and, you know, there's no one size fits all. No. And I mean, we'll talk about that after the break too, because I often, I get my biggest call. I think the, the thing, the call I get the most often is we want to go into Whole Foods or Sprouts. Mm -hmm. So we need to hire we, should we hire a sales agency for $15,000 a month or a head of sales for $200,000 a year? Right. And I'm like, I don't think either. Um, if you know, you know, where you want to go, I mean, but, but we do need some help, right? We can't, there's something in between just figuring it out and doing it all on our own. I do know, I mean, I remember a nuke from, Belgian boys, I remember we had coffee one day when she was filling out all of her own Kroger paperwork. Yeah. And it was like 70 pages of like some, you know, I forget what it's called now, like something IQ or whatever. It was like crazy. And I was like, I, is there no one else that can do that? You know? And she's like, no, I do it all myself. And I'm like, I, that's amazing. Right. Um, but for you working with emerging brands, you obviously knew them very intimately, you know, from your experience representing them. Yeah. And this and this obviously came from a place of like really wanting to to connect mission driven brands with something a little bit more mission driven. Right. But were there like what were some of those like big sort of aha moments when you were getting started or along the way where you realized like wow, I can't believe no one's been doing this for them or I can't believe that this is the expectation or I can't believe this is how it's been done until now or, you know, right. what what were those? For me, it was the like kind of big curtain between the brands and the, and the sales agency. To me, I thought that was something that just needed to come down mm -hmm. um, because I think it should be a very team approach where, yeah, the brand brings something valuable, their story, their, you know, how... How, where they come from, what they what their you know mission is, all that stuff, is something that's really important. 
And then the broker brings like, hey, we understand the strategy of this account. We know how to fill out their paperwork. We know these buyers. We know what they're looking for. Like it's kind of that mix and working together as a team, it can make magic happen, I think. But it's like if an agency has this curtain, like, no, 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 like you can't come over on this side. Like we let us do our thing. I don't like that. And I think that's something I noticed that needed to change. And so we have kind of pulled that curtain down as when we started really and never changed that. Like we have built software that is 24 seven for our brands to always see what's going on. So that's something I think that maybe caused brokers to kind of get a bad name because they were so behind the curtain with stuff back in the day. Um, but I think as an emerging brand, um, when you're when you're saying to a brand like, hey, I don't think you need either, I think there's something in the middle that they need, you know, like, yeah, because I think, and and then we can talk about this in a minute, but this mm-hmm. is kind of why I started this new take group by Greenspan. It's an accelerator for the yeah. emerging brand. Um, because, because we've grown to a place now where we're servicing more, you know, mid-tier and some larger brands and a mm-hmm. mix, a mix of things, right? And um and so I always wanted to make sure that my goal, like I said in the beginning, was to help the emerging brand. And so I don't want that to become lost. And so that's right. why we created this. But I think something in the middle where it's like the brand's still involved in getting to build their brand and their story and then having that support. Um, but, you know, I think different agencies have different models and I have a yeah. model in mind that that supports that. Like where it's yeah. like, let's take, let's take our toe and dip it here and then grow and walk. And kind of like you said, like for me, like I started Greenspoon as uh, kind of like a, a brand. Does. You know, I started in my home mm-hmm. region. I, I own that first and I kind of built it brick, brick by brick, you know, region by region. Um, and let's same thing. Let's do that together as a with a brand and start here and then take the next step and not jump into too much too fast. I think right. that's where the problem is. Totally. All right. We're going to take a quick break because we're going to get now after the break into like help. Okay. (laughs) We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Kari Pedriana from Greenspoon. Um, Okay, so... You are now doing, I mean, now since 2018, 20, I think it's been national coverage. Yeah, um, four or five years now. We've finished the last region. Again, like it was like region by region by region. So it took I a know. long time. <laughs> and, and you've also now taken on the more conventional 
Yes. Grocers. So you started pretty natural in Boulder and then over time you grew into more regions. And then, I mean, I guess you, did you do that essentially growing with the companies? You know, a lot of us do start regionally in natural. And then, you know, the, the real test, I think, at the end of the day of scale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I think generally is that you can grow outside of just the natural channel, that there yeah. is a there there in conventional grocery as in primal. Um, and that's when you get a craft come a knocking. Exactly. Okay. And that's what happened. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Like we were working with these brands in natural. They were growing, you know, like I mentioned, Kettle and Fire and, mm-hmm. and Primal Kitchen. They were growing outside of the channel, you know, some faster than others. Um, and, the, and we kind of grew with them in that space. So like, and then we also had that reverse happen where retailers were like, hey, we keep hearing about Green Spoon and that you guys have all like the cool and, you know, up and coming brands. Mm-hmm. We want that in our store too. So like it was mm-hmm. kind of coming from both directions and about Seven, six years ago, we started to kind of tackle that, um, started with more of the key ones in the space. And now, now it's everybody, but, um, same thing happened for us, you know? Right. And I guess the question for you then is like, did you, I mean, I feel like so much of it and and tell me if I'm wrong again, but like, it seems to me like when you go back to like the core function of a broker is helping make that connection between the brand and the retailer. And it starts with a relationship to the retailer in in a lot of cases. Is that safe to say? Yeah, that's safe to say. That's like one of the aspects. There's 30 or 40 more. That's one of of them. Um, Because I always say this to brands too, is that getting in store is number one. That's like the first thing. And that's just the first step. There is so much more to make it successful. Mm-hmm. It's like getting onto home plate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, um, like I said, in a natural specialty, like that store level support, you know, we have about 75 people or 80 people out in store every day, making sure things are going in the right direction. Um, and so it's just a mix of all those things. And like, you know, our promotion team coming in, our strategists coming in, like, all of that together can get you on home plate. But I think mm-hmm. just getting in store, because I think some people think, oh, I got in the store. I'm good. Next store. Oh, you know, yeah. like, it's like, I see that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, let's make sure. Nobody who listens to In the Sauce regularly thinks that because <laughs> I beat that like over everyone's head. I'm like, yeah. that's just home plate. Yeah, but yeah, did yeah. Did you have to bring in, I mean, presumably there are people who have deep relationships with with retailers, even right. though they, the retailer does try to rotate people understandably a lot. So was part of the, okay, now we're doing Albertsons or now we're doing right. California. Does that mean I got to go find the right people who have the right relationships and, and connectivity to these areas and know the lay of the land a little yeah, bit? I that mean, they understand just, the account and they understand how right. they work and they understand what they need and what the minimums are, all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's important to have someone that understands it. It's kind of right. like in natural, like, as you know, like there's certain people that understand it. And some people are like, it's kind of just foreign to them. Like, why does, why does that happen? Why is that, you know, why is it that way? Um, same in conventional. So, um, yes, that's what I did too. I brought in folks that really knew that space, mm-hmm. um, and were able to support our brands and guide them through that. And so going back to those 
you know, 30 or 40 core functions. Like let's break them into, (laughs) there's the getting the brand ready to even think about being on the shelf. Right. That's core function sort of like zero. Right. And then there's, you know, relationship management with the retailer. Mm-hmm. By the way, can I shout out Tyler, our Whole Foods? <laughs> you can totally I, shout him out. I just, he's so wonderful. He's and amazing. Just shout out Tyler. I don't know if you even listen to this, but <laughs> if you do, you are so appreciated. You're so great at your job. And thank you so much. Aww. Like, because the thing is that people, I think we, it's, you know, founders are taught to to hold on to some of those relationships, right? Yeah, like totally. And and the thing is, there's a balance. As always, I have a really good relationship with the bulk of my merchandisers at retailers. Yeah. But I'm not the one who's like, hey, you know, we're submitting this promo thing, or hey, you know, unless there's a big problem and like we're really gonna be, not be able to get you know gingery miso to them, then I'll write a note. But Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's still helpful to have, I don't even want to say a middle person because I feel like that's almost like has a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but the founder wants to remain the high level, joyful part of the relationship. And someone's got to be the brass tacks kind of dealing with the not so fun stuff. Our price point is too high in the right. Midwest stuff. Right. It. Is that how you would sort of yeah, again, parse it out too? I, I yeah. think that like, like I was talking to my brother about this the other day. It's kind of like when you like want to go learn golf, right? You want to, mm-hmm. like you want to bring someone in that can teach you and that really understands it and like can give you the, the, you know, the tools to succeed in that, in that space. Right. It's kind of like that finding that partner for you that really aligns with what you're doing and can give you the guidance but then also help you through all those situations that you're like, oh gosh, what do I do now? Because we've done it right. over and over and over and over again. Right. And so like, like, you know, UPC coaching just, oh my gosh, right. Like those kind of things, like yep. having, having that guidance can save so many dollars on a brand's end if they, do, if they're handled correctly. And so it's really having that too, with all those situations. And we see them every single day, every account, nothing ever is smooth sailing. Yeah. I mean, that's the world of CPG. Yeah. But on that note, right. Okay. And so then going back to the core functions, then you're on shelf and it's just making sure that things are smooth, that you're, you, while you're not necessarily going in like a full on merchandising team would to make sure that the pouches are straight and the voids are filled, et cetera, you are touching a lot of those stores rather frequently in certain channels, especially to just make in sure all the natural channel we do. Right. And then we launched merchandising underneath our field team too, as a secondary store level support. So we yeah. do all of that. Yeah. I love that. Um, and then just making sure that like, we know when the reviews are and making yes. sure that everything is okay. Right now. All of it. Like yeah. I just, I kind of say like, um, it's an extension of your sales force. Like, you know, it's good to have your in, in-house sales team, but at, that added support, because I mean, you know, we have 200 people, right? So it's just like, mm-hmm. the, there's so much to it. Um, but yeah, it's like an extension of your team. And that's what I have found from brands that work with us. The ones that view their partner as a partner and really celebrate their wins, work through the hard times, like, you know, all of that, 
you know, like what we, what you just did with Tyler, like just shouting him out and thanking him. Like that goes so far for us because we, we all are doing this because we love it. And just to be recognized, it just, it just makes the team even more excited about. Even if he never hears it. Exactly. I'll tell him though. <laughs> so this is a funny aside, a funny aside and a total non sequitur, but you'll appreciate this. And I think my listeners too, like I wrote in a LinkedIn post about a year ago, we had a distributor who we had product rejected because it wasn't under 40 degrees or whatever it was, like the temperature was off. And we went to the distributor and we were like, hey, when it left our warehouse, it was XYZ, now it's XYZ. And they were like, oh my goodness, our bad. We're really sorry, it's our truck. And they sent us a check. I've I've never, it was awesome. And like, doesn't happen all that often, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I I posted a LinkedIn post (laughs) to this freight company. And I was like, if anyone here knows anyone or works with anyone or happens to work at this freight company, whose name I forget, like, just want to say thank you. That was really like, it doesn't happen that often. Thanks for the integrity. It got like 12,000 views or something. (laughs) It's my most engaged with LinkedIn post ever. And no one, not a single person from the freight company has ever seen it. Like, it's just one of, it it just makes me laugh because, you know, I'm thinking about Tyler. He like might never listen to this, but they literally never, ever even saw it. But it struck such a chord with everybody else. And it was, I told you it was a non sequitur, but I thought it was kind of a funny story. No, it's great. I mean, I think that that's what like the industry needs and that what the world needs is like, just, you know, shouting out people when they do something for you. Right. Even if they never see it. <laughs> exactly. And just the positivity. It, like, I just believe in that so much that, you know, spreading positivity, it all comes back to just even totally. your business. So, um, so yeah, I think that, that, you know, in the old days, like a lot of people were like, oh, a broker, just like ride them and like all this. But like, I think now mm-hmm. that's totally changed. It's like, these are your partners. They're working really, really hard for you. Our team works so hard. And it's like, just take a minute and say like, thanks for doing that. I right. really appreciate that. It just goes a, lo- a, a long, long way for, for everyone. Well, that actually leads me into the next sort of piece of this, which is, so even early on when we didn't have in-house sales, we had an external sales team that managed a broker. And it was a little yep. wonky, honestly, because yep. it's like a service provider managing a service provider. It, it, it didn't really work particularly well. Um, so going back to sort of like that in between, it does feel like there needs to be someone dedicated on the team. And I suppose it can be the founder. I, I don't know if that's the best recipe either, but who, who, you know, who does sort of manage this out? If you think of them as an arm of your company, attaches the arm to the body. And if you just have this, you know, even an amazing team like yours going out into the world, but there's no one in the brand that kind of owns sales, um, that, that can, that's not a great scenario. Do you have that with any brands? Yeah. And I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I love that those folks that do that to you. Cause I, I just, 
am, you know, supportive of anyone that's really just hustling out there. But right. also, like, I also think the brand should be involved in that because at the end of the day, it's your brand or it's someone mm-hmm. in your brand. And so, like, if you have a third party, like, you know, brand management team or whatever um, that's working with your broker partner, just being involved in that. And the brand, and I have brands that do that and they do it very well. And we're all working together and it's great because for them, like you said, they, they might not have the funds to go buy it, to go hire a five, a $200,000 VP mm-hmm. of sales. Right. And so at their, their stage in business, it's a good solution. And the, these folks know their stuff. They know how to help the brand navigate. And so it's great. But I think that, um, I think it's important to be involved along with it too. Just right. so, just so, you know, that, that's how I would, I would do it. Um, because we as a team like to also get to know the brand because it makes us more excited to right. sell it when we we're hearing it from the brand directly too. But it's also, we see the value too, because they know what we need. They know how to do KPIs with us. They need to do mm-hmm. focuses with us. And a lot of brands at that stage don't understand that. So it's a, but it's a great mix, but I think you need to be involved. And let's talk about those KPIs because let's talk about those. Let's talk about them. Like that was such a great segue, Kari. You like set <laughs> you it can. up. Yeah. Um, I feel like I like whoosh. Um, <laughs> so what are we, we can't, we all know, I think everyone knows it's very tempting when you don't get into a grocery store to blame someone. <laughs> yep. The reality is it happens all the time. Don't look at a no as a no permanently. Look at a no as a no for now. They really don't. I, I, if there's one thing that I feel like I cannot stress enough is like the challenge that it is to be a merchandiser at a grocery retailer right now. It was hard when we got into this business in 2018. It has never been harder. The amount Agreed. of craziness that they have had to deal with in the last few years with the pandemic. And I understand from the brand side, like I have a few retailers that make me kind of like irky. Also, I feel like they string me along a little bit or they ask again for samples and then they say no. They're, I get it, it's tempting, but they're really in a, it's a tough job. Um, And so we can't at the same time hold a broker you know, the the only KPI cannot be, you know, percentage of wins. It has to be, I would imagine, a part of the KPIs, but it can't be the only one because, you know, it can't just be the broker's fault if you right. don't get into a door. Right. Yep. So what would you say, being the broker, are <laughs> sort of the the top three to five things that if you are managing a brokerage team and you're you're leading it on the on the brand side these are sort of the the things that you really need to be paying attention to and holding your broker team accountable for yeah i mean it depends on the stage of the brand everyone's at different stages and what they need um really larger brands might just need paperwork done it you know mm-hmm. so they're already in the accounts and they just need more of the day-to-day servicing of the of the business um, it depends. I think, um, I've seen brands do it very well and I've seen brands do it very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Let's talk about the good ones. <laughs> yeah. And so what I have done is I have built this team out of brand advocates. Um, a good friend of mine who works at Yasso, 
Um, she was like, it would just be great to have like a person that's my point of contact, like a Sherpa, like someone that just kind of guide me on these goals that I have set. Right. And so we built a whole department just for that. And the, the brand advocates, we call them, they meet with our brands every 30 to 45 days to go over those KPIs, to go over those goals. And some of them don't have them at all because they don't, they don't know how to build them yet. And so we help with that. Right. Um, and I just think having really clear goals is important, but I also think to make sure that they're bite-sized chunks, like, don't be like, I want to get in every single retailer in 2023. Like that's not realistic, but like, but like being like, Hey, like these are like the four retailers I have my eyes set on. And then, Hey, we're in like, we're in sprouts. I really want to make sure that, you know, this, there's no voids. You know, a lot of it's around void filling too. Um, Cause we're seeing a lot of that happening um, in a lot of retailers, but um. So it's really kind of focusing on, okay, like, here's the first step. These are the ones I want to focus on. Then I want to go here and then I want to go there. And I think that's one of those, you know, if, if a brand's not to the space where they can bring in, you know, sales people on their side, um, having that, you know, third party helps with those. Um, but again, like dissecting them out, like, this is what we want to start. Let them, then go here and then let's go there when we get them. And for us meeting with our brands every 30 to 45 days, we're on top of those. And we're, we're making sure that those are being executed. But there's also a sense of reality, like that, you know, not everything's going to happen in the timeline we all want it. Um, and like you said, buyers are overwhelmed, like everyone's super busy in this whole industry. It's nonstop. And so, you know, if we get a no, yeah, sometimes we get the finger pointed and it's our fault. But like, right. But like they might not have space and maybe, you know, they, you know, everyone's doing well in their, in their category and, they, you know, maybe they're not looking mm -hmm. for that right now. It doesn't mean no forever, like you said. Like I have seen it over and over and over again, where there, it's no, 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 and then yes, um, mm -hmm. or it's like no, no, and then new buyer comes in and yes. So you never know what's mm -hmm. going on. And all we can say as a partner is like, and my team says this all the time: what we can promise is that we're going to present our brands to all the retailers that we cover, and like, right. and that's all we can really promise. We can't promise we're going to get you on shelf. Nobody, you know, right. nobody can really do that on our, on our side of the business. Um, so it's really, okay, if we get a no, let's learn from that. No, what, what, why was it a no? If we can get that answer, cause again, everyone's so busy that we might right. not even know why, you know? So, yep. um, but trying to figure Usually it out. they just say we don't have space. Exactly. And that's another thing we get from <laughs> like younger yeah. brands. Like, well, we want to know why. Well, we didn't, they're not telling us why, you know, right. like we can't force someone to tell us. Why. So it's, it's just really kind of taking it and learning from things too. It's like, it sometimes it takes longer to learn about certain retailers and others, you know, mm -hmm. but it's just taking the time. What one of my mentors told me in the beginning when I started this, that the folks from Whole Foods, um, is it's a marathon, not a sprint. And they're like, please right. tell every brand that because the ones that are really strong and, and have really strong foundations did it in a marathon and they took the information and they learned from it and they grew. They it just if you sprint, it's not gonna work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean I think that's where you know, it's funny because for a while, sustainability was such sort of a, like a, almost a throwaway term. But if you really think about sustainability, right, it's, it's not just like, you know, we do carbon credits and it's in a can, not a bottle. Like, right. it's really about, is this a, a truly sustainable business? And there's yeah. nothing that grows super, super fast, super, super hard 
that is fundamentally long lasting. And, and I think that that's what's shifting right now in our ecosystem. There was this, there was this full throttle tech mentality, VC kind of grow scale doors, 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 money, money, money. Um, and it's proving to be not necessarily the great recipe that, you know, maybe people thought it was. And, and I think, you know, like we've talked about on the show before, there's been cases where brands have exited and then all of a sudden that becomes like the, the goal, but it, yep. what people don't realize is that that's one out of every, it's a unicorn. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Full on unicorn. I want to talk a little bit about distributors. Yeah. Um, because when you were talking about voids, like what typically happens with us is it's not, you know, when we, when we are out of stock, um, it's usually at the distributor something's happened with UNFI or Kehi and there's been some miscommunication and it's not necessarily a brand issue. It's not necessarily a store issue. It seems to be on the distributor side. And I'm wondering about just sort of the broker distributor relationship. Um, I feel like you, there are distributor reps that work with brokers that are in charge of managing that relationship, if I'm right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, because I think people are a little confused. One thing that I also hear a lot is, you know, even we were talking about Expo West, like we, like a lot of other brands went to Expo West when we didn't have national distribution. So we had all of these stores on the West Coast that were like, we love it. Like, where do we, you know, how do we get it? And we're like, um, uh, and we had no way of getting it to them. So it was almost like a bit of a waste, if I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah. So there's a strategy in sort of like building out. If you go global with Whole Foods, obviously you're in every UNFI DC. But, you know, if you're not, then you want to build out kind of by DC. So you don't want to have like a great market over here and a great market over there when you don't have enough points of distribution to actually work for a UNFI or even a DSD distributor. So that's a very long-winded way of asking you your way of describing the broker distributor relationship and how you can leverage it better. Cause I think a lot of us are a little flummoxed by yeah, the distributors. I look at it to my for my team is kind of like another big key account for us. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. kind of manage it the same yeah. way. We manage it the same way. We have great great relationships with Unify and Kehi. They've been amazing supporters. Um, we're helping them every single day sell product at store level. We write turnovers and independence and co-ops and you know all of that that we're selling through. And then we're also, you know, selling into key accounts that will trigger Unify and Kehi business as well. So to me, it's really the same kind of relationship that I have, you know, uh, with our team with Sprouts or Whole Foods or whoever, right? It's like they're a customer uh, and and uh, we work together to, you know, make sure that the void thing could be a whole slew of things. It could be that, that, you know, something happened there. 
but it right. also could be like tag fell off and then, mm-hmm. you know, it got missed and then, or the buyer can only order once a week and then it sold out and, and then someone came in and pushed the product over and it's gone. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's so many things that can become a void and there's also true voids and then voids that are not even really voids. But, um, so it's, it's, it's a mix of things. And so for us being able to have a distributor team that's really well versed, they all are very knowledgeable on that piece of business. And then us being able to have our field team out there, we can find the gaps and figure it out really fast because we're watching our system, our software and our systems to see where those problems are. Um, and then we're tackling them together. And, you know, I think, you know, as a unifier, they appreciate that. Like we're all working together to fix problems because again, like nothing's smooth. And like, I think that's what the whole industry is just like, you know, it's, it's, let's just work together and fix it and move forward. We all, we're all, you know, trying to build businesses and have, you know, volume and velocities and all that stuff. But like working as a United team is the best. And so we found that with them, we really appreciate the partnership with both of those distributors. It is interesting, right? I mean, when you think about it, a business like mine we're not selling directly to Whole Foods. We're selling directly right. to UNFI. Exactly. They are yes. our customer. Right. Um, and and yet, um, you know, there's like a weird. <laughs> yeah, there is. It, it's it's like a fraught kind of. I mean, not we don't really have you know, but I mean, I hear a lot. And fortunately, we have a bookkeeping team that is super super like ready to be like nope. Nope, we were nope. Like, don't bill us back for that. Nope, we were, you know. Yeah. Um, we were in OI just yet, you know. But I think that the impression from brands of these distributors is not particularly a good one. I think that's it's fair to say that a lot of that has been earned on their part. But then we have to think of them as a customer. It's hard, I think, for brands to have trust. Yeah. And it's interesting that we also, at the same time as we have to trust them, we also have to think of them as our customer, which puts us in service of them. Right. It's, it's like yeah. a really interesting dynamic, but probably a really good way to think about it. I think so too. And makes the relationship probably better, certainly from their side. Exactly. Okay. And, and then have, yeah. like, for you having like a really strong bookkeeping team, you know, that's really important. You know, and, and again, a lot of brands in the early stages just don't have that. And there is resources out there for that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's how it should be viewed. They're, they're a customer. Yeah. So before we go and talk about take root, um, I just want your thoughts on trade shows. Okay. (laughs) Just want some thoughts. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think of them? I think that like, I think that the UNFI and KE shows are really important if you're in, like you said, like if you're not in those mm-hmm. DCs in those areas, then it doesn't really make sense. But if you are, it's, those are selling shows. Those are important, you know? Um, as far as like Expo East and West, obviously it's more to kind of see what's going on, what's coming out, you know, innovation, all of that. Um, more of a marketing show, right? Um, so I feel like it depends. Like I've ha- I've seen a lot of brands really holding off and waiting until they're really ready for something like that and really focusing more on the distributor shows as they're building out, which I think that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Well, we're going to be at Mohegan sun. Yes. If anybody listening wants some sauce (laughs) for their stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I happen to, it's funny because I, 
I'm not like a Vegas person, but I like, I went to the UNFI Vegas show a right. few years ago and I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. I didn't love Vegas necessarily, but I love the fact that like it was a selling show. There were right. buyers there. They were ready to buy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like packaging folks that needed to explain to me how they could get me a better deal on pouches. And right. like, it felt like super productive. Exactly. Um, and, you know, Expo has its role too, but I think that's a really good way to frame it also. They're selling shows and they're marketing shows. And yeah. as long as you have goals for each, I mean, you can certainly get some important, you know, meetings out of a marketing show, but yes. for the most part, the money being spent there is on marketing. It's on brand throwing yep. your elbows out and mm-hmm. saying, here we are. Yeah. And this is what we got going on. Right. And there's a lot of great mo- meetings happening at those shows. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, like you said, like it's, a, it's a selling show at Unifying Kehi. Um, I really like going to the NCG shows, like like the NG, NCG show, because it's just like the heart of the industry, the co-ops I just love. So it's just, it's finding like kind of what you want to focus on and like attending those things. But I do find a lot of value in the selling shows. Mm, love it. Okay. Now, you mentioned Take Root. You mentioned um, that... You know, this all goes back to being, you know, the mission of like really supporting emerging brands. Right. I want to hear about it. I want to hear what's going on. Yeah. If anyone listening, I, my guess is that they would be very interested in what right. you're doing yes. and maybe participating. So yes. tell me all about it. Okay. So you heard my found, our founding story, right? And that, mm-hmm. that was the whole thing. And like as we grew, um, we have, you know, more expenses and all these things that we had to take care of. And so it's, it's really kind of changed our, you know, us as a business too. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Hey, what can we do? Because I got to the point where I was having to turn down a lot of emerging brands that were coming to us. Like, because there is a stage now, like where it's just like, it's too early for a brand, you know, like definitely. Um, and I was like, Oh, you're too early. Like you need some more distribution or you need some kind of like your home turf needs to be stronger, things like that. And so I got to the point where it is happening too often. And I was like, someone's got to do something to help these folks. Um, And there was options out there. But when I was hearing the price tag on them, I was like, there's no way an emerging brand can afford that. And so so my goal was to start something affordable that's really suited for the emerging brands and to give them the attention in in the service that they need at that stage. And so... Take Root by Greenspoon was born. Um, And what it is, is an accelerator within Greenspoon. Um, We hired a VP on, key account managers, you know, promotions and trade spend and distributor um, folks. So like it's a a team that's just focused in a department that's just focused on this. Um, And so it's really in, in my eyes too, I was thinking the other accelerators out there, they're maybe focused on things that really don't make sense for like this channel. Cause I really have always believed in building your brand in the natural and specialty channel first, just to, that's kind of how I've always believed it. And so this, this team is really focused on the natural specialty channel and those, those major accounts that will open up distribution that are tied to Unify and Kehi. Um, and so that when they have enough, you know, going on, then we can accelerate them into Greenspoon and they're actually ready to have a, a national broker just help them. Um, right. Amazing. Instead of instead of bringing a broker in too early and then be like, oh, you're too early. We can't really do it, right. you know. So just getting them ready. And so that's the cool thing about it too is that you know it's an accelerator that can bring you into a bigger platform 
where some accelerators might not be able to do anything. It's kind of like, okay, you graduated. I don't know where you're going to go now, you know? Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and again, financially too, like it's really suited for them. Um, so we have had a crazy response. I think we had about 220 brands I think are going through right now. Um, and we're choosing about five to 10 to start. And because we want to make sure that we're setting it up right and, you know, it's all situated correctly. And, um, but it's really like, strategy and getting their, you know, getting their decks ready and getting one pagers ready and making sure that, you know, they have everything aligned to go to market. It's a lot of that too. And then it's like getting in market and making sure they're successful in that market. And then again, and then if they are getting, you know, traction quicker than others, maybe then they'll accelerate quicker. Right. Um, so that's really what it is. And they'll, and you're just going to be constantly like for brands that are listening right now, are you kind of, is it, I mean, I, I'm assuming you have the five ready or, yeah. but presumably you, it's going to be on a flow because some of them are going to graduate out. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yes, exactly. Um, and my goal is to grow this department to, you know, a pretty big team, like maybe like 20 people that really kind of help the emerging brand. Um, and so that there's, it's going to grow too. Right. Um, Amazing. But we wanted to kind of start it off slow like kind of what we did with Greenspoon back in the day, you know, we had like five brands too, right? Um, mm-hmm. We want to do the same approach for this. And it's, you know, completely separated and dedicated so that the attention is there, the hands-on, the day-to-day, everything is there to help. And what's the right size? Like, yeah. I think a lot of the, the word emerging yeah, can mean anything of- from like zero to 10 million. Right, 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 <laughs> right. And for me, we're really kind of watching distribution. So like if they're maybe in a couple unified DCs or one, or they're not in any, but they're getting interest, like that mm-hmm. stage, right? For Got me, um, there's been some that are like, hey, we're not even done with packaging yet. That's a little early. We want right. the brand to be ready to go in, in the, as far as being able to send samples out and you know that kind of state. We can help with all the kind of tools needed. Um, but that phase kind of where they're starting to get some traction in some place, you know, got it. Okay. Last question. Yeah. Because I love talking to people like you who just have this like bird's eye view of everything kind of, you know, who's not even on shelf yet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I love sort of thoughts and predictions. We all know it's been a really hard time in our industry. Yeah. We from every. I mean, there's a McCrute lime leaf shortage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, which is one of the ingredients in our coconut cashew sauce, because of the rain in California, and there it's such a unusual ingredient, and the farms that we use that grow it just haven't liked. It's been just too. It just has been too kind of yellow. It just hasn't grown correctly. I mean, everything from that to like the war in Ukraine to truck driving to, you know, co-man labor issues to grocery store labor issues Mm -hmm. to like the money that just is no longer being invested. So everyone kind of knows, and I don't necessarily need you to be like, but here's the good news. But I would love, you know, you've seen a lot in the last, 13 years and before that when you were working with brands. So what are some of your sort of big picture thoughts about the industry? Maybe a prediction or two, just as someone who really understands the whole ecosystem. 
I mean, on like the whole industry in general or on certain kind of brands or like, what do you think? Anything, really anything you want. Like, you know, when you're walking around Expo West or you're, you know, talking to brands or you're talking to your team, like what keeps kind of coming up that you think is on the horizon? Yeah. I have a lot of hopes for the industry. And so maybe some of that is like kind of clouding my vision a little bit because I really do hope, I know you've mentioned things like just the money part of it and the tech side of it. I really hope it comes back to a place of really doing good and really caring about what our impact and like the environment and bringing better food to people. I know that's part of it, but I really, you know, like kind of back to the OG where that came mm-hmm. from. I would love mm-hmm. to see that more and more. Um, and I am seeing that. So that's why I'm saying like, I'm noticing a lot more focus on packaging and mm-hmm. being sustainable and compostable and people really pushing that envelope, which is, I applaud all day long. That's amazing. Um, for Greenspoon, we're one person for the planet. And so that's something that we, we really value. Um, and so I'm seeing a big movement on that, which is great. I'm also seeing a big movement on like food waste um, with upcycling. Um, I know some folks over at a cereal company is they're like, what the, all this oats, there's just so much oat waste, like oats and like they're making cereal now out of that. I think that's super cool that we're like really looking at the food waste problem. Um, and I'm seeing a lot more of that. And then obviously agriculture, we're seeing more of that too, like with regenerative agriculture and things like that and certifications around that. Um, so I'm, so I, I'm really hopeful on where all that stuff is going because that's all impactful and it's really going to make a difference for our future. Um, and then as far as brands go, I'm, you know, I'm seeing certain trends, obviously like a lot of mushroom, a lot of alternative mm-hmm. coffees and, um, you know, things like that, but there's always those trends you, you'll see. Um, but I think in general for the industry, like I'm super hopeful of where it's going and like that, you know, I have kids in, my, in their twenties. I have a 22 and a 25 year old. Me too. Um, yeah. And it's so great, <laughs> but it's like, but I'm, but I'm so hopeful for their generation when I'm talking to them and their friends and the way that they're eating now, like they, yeah. don't, they eat really clean. They watch what they eat. And yeah, they're my kids and like they were raised that way, but their mm-hmm. friends are too. And they really care about what a company stands for and like what right. they're doing to the, to the world around them. And so that makes me super hopeful for the future too. So in general, I'm just, I'm just hopeful like that it's going to continue to just do better and be better and surrounding yourself in the industry with people like that. Like I'm going to call out Christy from Quinn cause she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And like what she's doing to do better. Like I hope she's inspiring others to do the I same because, her Oh my God, I love her so much. Yeah, um, no, I haven't had her on. Yeah. Um, but I definitely will. Reach yeah. Out, but yeah. like, that's like her whole movement. It's not just running a business. But it's like what, as a business, we can do better for everyone, everyone. So that's the movement I'm seeing. And that's what I'm really excited about. Amazing. Well, Kari, we could not end on a (laughs) a more joyful, optimistic, lovely note. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy. It took me a while to get you, but I'm so happy that you came on the show. And thank you for opening up this world of brokering and sharing all your thoughts because I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Great. And I'm always available. If anybody wants to message me, I'm always available to talk to brands. I love just having conversations with people. 
that is probably something a few people are going to take. I, I, I'm up for it. <laughs> Do you know I'm how up. many people listen to this? <laughs> I'm up for uh, it. <laughs> and H, thank you so much for engineering today's show. Liam is not here today, so we were lucky enough to work with you, and it was great. So thank you. And all of you listeners out there, um, thank you for all of your notes, as always. And I have some really fun guests line up. Um, my 200th episode is coming up in a couple of months. So mm-hmm. that's really exciting. I know, crazy. And um, I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.